With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. <laughs> We're gonna shop left. I got your back, kid. I'll ask the guy behind the register. All right, welcome to Out of the Blue, the podcast that Winston Churchill would be listening to if he were still alive, probably. I am Jared Stormer of Mazenbrew.com, and with me as always is my hetero life mate, Andy Bailey, also of Mazenbrew.com. Andy, reverse centaur, positioned majestically on top of a hillside. How the hell you been? That's finest work yet, so I don't know where I stand after that. I feel like I've been spun like a top, and now I'm back, but I'm good, brother. How are you? Well, I'm glad that you came back down to me, because we got a podcast to do. All is well in my world, man. Trying to uh, make my way through the summer best I can, filling it with outdoor activities, lack of football, and I guess the NBA Finals, but... Uh, yeah, things things are going well. Went on a date the other night, had to play Never Have I Ever the card game, and she found out that I am actually the spawn of Satan. So other than that, really, we're hitting on all cylinders. Other than her manic life, you know, being back in the toilet, you know, we're all pretty much in the same place. Where it belongs. <laughs> uh, so what's going on with you, man? What you been keeping yourself busy with? You watching the NBA Finals at all? Uh, you watching any of this Michigan baseball during the World Series? I have to admit I haven't seen anything. Uh, yeah, I'm not a big baseball guy. Um, I haven't watched any of this. Somebody told me at work the other day that they beat UCLA, which is a good thing. So anytime Michigan sport, you know, has positive success, you know, I'm here for it. Yeah, same here. I mean, it'd be very difficult to try and jump on the bandwagon at this point. I mean, I can talk about, I can read through the box score as easily as you can, or, or as the people at home can, but it seems like a waste of our time because I don't know shit about the baseball team. But that being said, uh, the continued success of Michigan athletics right now really looks good for Ward Manuel's job security. Yeah, I think 
We'll find out if there's Juwan Howard higher with a knockout of the park. It seems to be looking good right now. I mean, every sport seems to be churning out wins left and right. And maybe, you know, Ward Manuel can teach us to run zone coverage. And then we'll be all set all around the board. Man, wouldn't that be something? Uh, yeah, hopefully he or maybe the new facilities that they've built can uh, can find a way to teach the kids zone coverage. But, uh, yeah, if we can get across that hurdle, man, the sky's the limit for the, the Michigan Athletic Department. Yeah, apparently uh, the athletic department has room in the budget to buy our football players bras this year. So um, check out the latest Michigan football post on Instagram, and please let me know, are they bras, yes or no? The, the answer, Andy, is yes, those are bras. I've been around the game long enough to know a bra when I see one, and I'm sure that it's not intended for breast support, but it looks like it's intended for breast support. Yeah, like I, I've, I've seen my fair share of bras. You know, I've seen a couple of bras. Sure. Um, I mean, you're married, so I mean, limited, but... You've seen yeah, some yeah, very. I've seen a few. I know what they look like. I know what they do. Sure. Uh, I understand. I'm, I'm a man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, these are bras. Like, like they may be for something that's you know they interact kinetically with your body to give you more balance or some, some bullshit like that. But no, it's a bra. That's all it is. It's like it's just a tighter tank top and it's shorter, which makes it a bra. I mean, uh, a strap-on's a strap-on no matter what you call it, and a bra's a bra no matter how you slice it. So, I mean, it is what it is when you're dealing with something like that. So, uh, like, Did Margaret Thatcher say that? Yes, actually, not to uh, to paraphrase, but I think that was a direct quote. It was, uh, it was Margaret Thatcher or Susan B. Anthony, one of the more prominent women in, in history. <laughs> you're a man of diverse quotes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that being said, there has been a couple other rumblings that have happened. Uh, the first one that didn't get talked about very much at least not on twitter or social media charles matthews tore his acl uh during an nba workout he's going to be out for at least a year devastating news for a guy that really was a huge huge part of michigan's success the last two years um over under one and a half michigan players drafted under it'll be brazdakis and that's it i think i mean someone might take a flyer on pool but I'm not seeing that in any of the NBA mock drafts. I'm not hearing anyone really talk about how excited they are about Jordan Poole. And Charles Matthews was sounding like he actually was going to get drafted. Uh, his defense, some people were saying, was the best in this draft. Um, there was a couple NBA analysts that were saying they like his defense best in that draft. I mean, him and the, the kid that we saw at Texas Tech, Culver, were yeah. two of the best. Um, so, yeah, you'll get drafted just based on defense. He's got length. He can get to the rim. Not a great shooter, but at the same time, you can improve as a shooter. So I, I think he was on track to get drafted. So really devastating for him and uh, hope he can find a way to get back healthy and into the league somehow. Yeah, it's it's a total kick in the balls, man, um, no matter which way you look at it. And he was definitely trending up because it kind of comes down to this. Like when you're looking at players, you want to draft a player that, you know, could become an all-star, but has, you know, some off-the-court issues, thinks he's better than he is, but never really, you know, grows into anything. Kind of like a Malik Monk a couple years ago from Kentucky, just never really settled into it, had all this hype. Or do you draft a guy that knows his place and knows his role, like a Malcolm Brogdon, steps right in, asserts himself, and immediately contributes. And I think Matthews was trending that direction. Uh, this is an obvious setback. He'll be out all next season. So um, hopefully he can get picked up somewhere and get stashed on a G League team or something like that, though. I mean, maybe having Beeline with the Cavs. I mean, he can pick him up, stash him, um, knowing what he could get out of him in the future if he comes back at somewhere near 100%. Um, you can come back, you know, nowadays with the way that you know, medical technology and these surgeries have advanced, you can come back at damn near 100%. I mean, look at what Jake Butt was able to do like twice. 
Um, Jake Ryan wasn't, I mean, that was a little while ago, but when Jake Ryan went out with that ACL, it wasn't really quite the same, but some of these guys in recent years are coming back pretty explosive. Todd Gurley. Paul George's whole knee. <laughs> Paul George lost a leg and came back. I, I mean, he's out there playing on, on the stumps, I believe, but <laughs> still putting up MVP caliber numbers. So you can't yes, come I, back. Yeah, I think he'll bounce back, and I think he'll end up being okay. He has that kind of grinder mentality, it seems like, to where he's not afraid to you know put in the work. Yeah, this is. I don't think this is going to derail. This isn't the last we've heard of Charles Matthews. I don't think he'll ever be a superstar. I never thought that prior to the injury. Yeah. But I think he can recover from this and come back, and maybe in two to three years we see him putting up some quality minutes, you know, playing like 15, 20 minutes a game in the NBA. Yeah, he could easily be a uh, counted-upon reserve on a quality team that, you know, look at what the Warriors bench does. They bring in guys that pretty much are just kind of specialists that they can come in and get you some quality minutes on the defensive side of the ball. So I believe he could do that, but just it's just such a bummer. And the fact it didn't get talked about kind of like rubbed me the wrong way. Granted, there was a lot of other things going on. I think this came out like right when David Ortiz was shot. And I mean, definitely, you know, thoughts and prayers go to him. I'm not a big thoughts and prayers guy, but Big Poppy gets him. Um, yeah, Big big Poppy gets him. And also, don't go to the Dominican Republic. Just, just don't go. Just avoid it. What are you doing in the Dominican Republic? I understand you're viewed as a hero there, but it's also the Dominican Republic. Yeah, it's okay. Like, no, so when Saddam Hussein was at his rise, he didn't want to go back to Iraq. Like, I get it, he's from there and he's ruling the country, but it's like, no, he didn't want to be there. Don't but, go back. Yeah, that's true. He might have just as good a chance of getting shot in Boston, though. I have no idea. So, I mean, maybe you're just not safe anywhere when you're that big of a name and that famous. But Big Poppy is like one of the few Red Sox or Yankees that I've got a lot of love for. Yeah, if the Bruins win the cup, uh, yeah, I'd be afraid to get shot in Boston. Which is crazy, though. The Celtics are the only team that screwed up. And I'm, I'm a Celtics fan, but thank God they screwed up the Boston Slam. They were this close to having every major sport win a title. I'm so sick of all these cities that got it you know, real well off, like San Francisco having all the success. Like, oh yeah, your life's so difficult. You live in Silicon Valley. It's 75 degrees year-round, and it's uh, the richest place on the planet per capita. Like, must be tough. Yeah, it's real, t- real tough life there, but enjoy paying $15 for a hamburger, my friend. <laughs> 75 for a haircut, but we uh, we digress. Uh, off of Charles Matthews, definitely pulling for him. Back to football, as Oliver Martin has announced he will be transferring to Iowa. Uh, we, we saw this one coming, kind of called it, um, whilst he who not sh- shall not be named in Michigan Twitter uh, claimed to have broke this news. It, it was pretty obvious that the writing was on the wall with uh, Mike Sainer still elevating. So uh, a bummer. You know, we, this is a guy we kind of were, were high on coming in, but, I mean, just the, the reps weren't there. Dog eat dog, brother. Good luck next year catching passes from Nate Stanley. Um, this isn't surprising. Um, slot receivers tend to get gobbled up in Michigan if you're not producing right away because they're constantly bringing in new athletes to rotate in there. Um, think of Eddie McDoom. Uh, Kakoa Crawford played more as a split in, but he's also kind of undersized. You get gobbled up, man. It's what it is. Michigan brings in top-level talent, and if you're not the best, you're not going to play. And he, like I said, the writing was on the wall. He saw he was bouncing. It was time. I mean, it's kind of weird he's going to Iowa because I think he'll have to sit out a year with the in-conference transfer. Um, but So he won't be catching passes from Nate Stanley, so he'll be gone. He'll be catching passes from Nate Stanley's backup. What's his name? No one knows. I don't think they even have someone yet. 
I, I, I guarantee he's going to throw the tight end like 30 times a game. Yeah, they just got a broomstick that they're throwing a jersey on for now until they can get somebody recruited. But he'll probably honestly have success there. Like, he's a, he's a quality-wide receiver. He did have some catches for us, had some moments, had some moments in uh, spring practice where he was really turning some heads and made some athletic catches. Honestly, he'll probably go to Iowa and have, like, 70 receptions or something. I could see that. Um, but, I mean, there's only one slot receiver. There's two outside guys, two tight ends. It's the one pass catcher where, uh, I mean, if you're not number one on the depth chart, you're probably not getting in there. What's your favorite Oliver Martin memory? <laughs> uh, my favorite Oliver Martin memory is error 404 file not found. Um, <laughs> no, he had a, he had a catch like a, I was, I, I'm rewatching the, the games cause it's that part of the off season when there's nothing to do, but rewatch highlights from last season. And he definitely had some early season catches. I think he had a, didn't he have a touchdown catch last year? Did he? I got you. I don't know. I, I Consult feel like my the favorite Oliver my favorite Oliver Martin moment is he had a really nice catch one time in practice his yeah. freshman year. And that sums up Oliver Martin's tenure and why I'm not really going to miss him that much. I don't even know the kid. Couldn't point him out if I saw him in a Kroger. Uh, one touchdown. I thought, yeah, I remember him catching a touchdown. Yeah, so I mean, in rewatching the highlights, he definitely had a couple plays for us. And he's good enough to start somewhere like Iowa that's not necessarily known for producing uh, – you know, outstanding wideouts, tight ends, yes. Wideouts, it's been a while. Didn't like Joe Jerovicious go there or somebody like that? Probably. So I think Joe Jerovicious went somewhere else. But I'm going to give you three guesses who their backup quarterback is. Is it Landon Paulson? These are all Iowa players, by the way. Joe Ludwig or Peyton Mansell? I was just waiting for you to give me some like outlandish options. <laughs> is it Landon Carson or an elk wearing snowshoes? <laughs> Uh, I don't know, man. Those all those names sound like the same human to me. They sound like generic white dudes wearing, you know, tank tops and, and flip flops. It is number two, red shirt sophomore Peyton Mansell. So that's going to be Oliver Martin's quarterback. Kind of sounds like Colorado, a, Ace from Colorado Springs. There you go. I mean, that's almost a combination of Peyton Manning and Johnny Manziel. So I mean, lofty expectations kind of built into the name. But uh, yeah, something tells me at Iowa they're not going to really air it out. So. Enjoy yeah, handing it off 45 Kirk. times a game. <laughs> have fun, Kirk Ferenz. I hope your run blocking is ready, Oliver. Yeah. But no, all, all the jokes aside, man, wish him the best. He's nothing, I mean, nothing but complimentary in Michigan. Never stood out. Um, never really slipped completely into the fold. But he just seemed one of those guys that was destined to transfer. And uh, also, Ruben Jones officially going to WVU. So um, Michigan WVU pipeline kind of forming there for mm -hmm. transfers between Keith Washington and now Jones. Yeah, a little bit, and uh, yeah, another guy that we just haven't really seen much of, and neither one's really going to change the depth chart. I mean, this isn't going to tip the needle in any any way on either of those position groups. Uh, you might have seen Oliver Martin like later into some games, or you know, in some blocking packages or something. And Ruben Jones, if he was if he was out there, you probably wouldn't notice and probably wouldn't hear his name called. So it doesn't really change the outlook for Michigan. No, it doesn't. Like I said. I said before, I hope both of those players contribute and help these teams. Um, does Michigan play Iowa in 2020? Uh, I haven't looked ahead to the 2020 schedule. I'd be interesting up. to see if we're going to play Oliver Martin. Yeah, I mean, if we see him in 2020, we definitely will. But uh, don't have him. We have him in 2019, but it's at home. He likely won't play. Luckily, yeah. a noon game away from Kinnick. That's so much better. <laughs> Yep, don't play. So, man. Oh, well, I mean, 
I mean, I was a program he goes to. It's kind of go oh, good for him. It's like that and the opponent we're talking about this week, Wisconsin. It's like these Big Ten schools, you know, they're kind of like tier two rivals, but it's like got a lot of respect for their programs. Yeah, for both, and they're like two two A. Like they're they're not you know they're not down and out. Wisconsin, I would put a, a notch above Iowa, but Iowa you know finds a way under the dinosaur Kirk Ferentz, who's under contract until twenty ninety seven. I mean, uh, they find a way to be, to put, you know, serviceable programs out there. So, uh, yeah, that would be a good segue. But one last thing I wanted to touch on, got another tight end commit, 6'4". Uh, this is a 2020 commit, Matt Hibner. Uh, another another tight end to go with Shea Patterson's brother. So two three-stars. Um, I mean, are, are you kind of becoming concerned about the tight end position? Because, I mean... They have a good track record with him, but at the same time, I think uh, we just kind of assumed everyone was going to be Jake Butt, and they've gotten a little bit progressively worse since Jake Butt. I mean, we do not have a Jake Butt on the roster right now. I think we may have taken him for granted. Uh, Sean McEwen is serviceable um, and could could break out again this year. He had, had a little bit of an off year last year, but is this a position you're sneakily concerned about? Not as much as I was before Eric All committed. Um, having Eric All, Mustafa Muhammad, Sean McEwen, and a little spice for you, 2019's first team All Big Ten tight end, Nick Eubanks. I like it. I absolutely like it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Nick Eubanks is going to have a big year. I mean, especially with the attention that's going to be commanded by whichever receivers we got out there. Uh, Nick Eubanks is going to be open across the middle of the field a lot, and I trust Patterson to get him the ball. He likes getting it to the tight end. More of a receiving tight end, not necessarily a complete tight end, but the fact of the matter is he is a tight end that I could see putting up numbers. And I also like that you said Eric All. Uh, haven't seen much from Mustafa Muhammad yet. We're both high on him, but simply because his name rolls off the tongue. Eric All, though, looks like a player, so that's a kid I'm definitely excited about. Might need a year in the program, maybe two, before we really see his full potential. Tight end, you want to put on some muscle for sure when you're going against you know defensive ends that Ohio State's got coming at you. So, uh, But that being said, yeah, I'm not necessarily concerned about it. And honestly, with tight ends, sometimes three stars excite me a little bit more than four stars with this position. I don't know why. Just a, just a weird thing. It's always like those hidden gems you yeah. can find. Like this kid's got the right size; he can put on a little more muscle, and so like you come right in and play. Yeah, and it looked like Sean McEwen as a freshman was the next coming of Jake Butt. So I was like, oh, they know what they're doing. They're just going to get three star dudes and turn them all into, you know, Tony Gonzalez. So I have no comment on our friend Stone Hands. <laughs> hey man, I'm pulling for him. He could have a big bounce back year, and it would help us a lot if we've got two tight ends that can catch and. McEwen can block and catch. I mean, we're in pretty good shape there. But, uh, yeah, that being said, uh, class starting to round out. Looks like we're in on some really talented safety prospects and running back prospects. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, this kid, Jordan Morant, off the East Coast, I'm really high on. Um, he's a safety prospect. So could be some big commits coming for us here in the next couple weeks. The barbecue is at the end of this month. Um, that's always a big weekend for us. So, uh, next two weeks, really be paying attention to recruiting. We could jump up a couple spots in the recruiting rankings. You had me in barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped listening after that. I, I just turned it all off. No, no um, the schedule is lining up really well for Michigan. Uh, Gaddis seems to be attacking the trail defensively. I mean, everything seems to be lining up. The commitment of Braden McGregor makes Sean Nua look awesome. Um, I really like this coaching staff. I like the youngness. I like the diversity of it. It feels like um, a very different one than what we're used to, especially compared to even like 2015 and 16 staffs. And I, and I liked a lot of it. 
But um, this one seems to have a lot more different pieces that you wouldn't think fit together. But I we'll find out. I think there will be a nice blend there. And maybe there's some drop-off, you know, in year one with defensive line and stuff. But there's also a lot of turnover. So that's not just going to go straight on Chum Nua. Um, yeah. The players seem to be buying in, man. So I think it's all that factors into turning recruiting around for this class. Yeah, I really like it as well. And, I mean, the jump from Gattis to, or from Drevno to Gattis on offense is massive from where this program started out. Gaddis is a better recruiter, better offensive mind, um, younger players can connect with him more, I think. Um, and then on defense, Sean Newell, once again, you get younger and Greg Madison's been a solid recruiter, was a solid recruiter for us. Um, but I mean, the dude's 67 and you I mean, his best days are behind him uh, as far as a coordinator. Um, so I think Sean Newell could end up being an improvement this year. I mean, we'll see. Um, and, and it's tough to improve over Madison's results, but uh, but Nua could be is a great fit so far. I agree. I, I really like the youth of the staff as well. Are we still waiting to see if we like Gaddis better than Fish? Man, that's a tough one. Jed Fish really brought something to that program, and that was the guy we were kind of clamoring for to bring back. It just made sense. The fifth was there. He didn't he didn't have a job at the time. Um, yeah, I think we got to wait and see, at least get a year under Gaddis. But uh, I will go ahead and make my bold call that these are the best numbers, uh, passing numbers, since Fish, by far. I, I'll bet it's, I'll bet it, they blow the last couple years out of the water. Does Shea Patterson this year pass for more yards than Dad Rudock in his one year at Michigan? Yes. Oh, I like the take. Yep, I, I believe that he will. I think Shea Patterson's going to have a monster year. Um, the pieces are all set up. He's going to have a lot of protection and he's got weapons to throw to. And we've got a kind of a suspect backfield, at least until they get their feet under him. I think he's going to have to put up 300 yards in some of these games in order for us to be competitive, especially with the defense adjusting early. I think as a product of necessity, they're going to air it out more and Patterson's going to really improve his draft stock. And I do think Pat, I mean, I'm not saying anything about the record, but I think Patterson has a big year. I like, I hope so. I was thinking this earlier when I was like going through um, this game preview. Like, this could be a big one on the road. Third game of the season coming off a of bye week. Could be a big Ooh, one, baby. And we're gonna get into that. We're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back and we're gonna talk Wisconsin. Uh, we got a bye week after Army and then Wisconsin, so we're gonna kind of talk about that and then get into our entertainment segment. Wisconsin's known for party, and we're talking party movies tonight. Should be a good time. We'll have that when we come back. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. 
Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Out of the Blue. We are talking Michigan opponents, breaking down our opponents week by week. Last week we talked Army after Army. Michigan has a bye week, which I think is a pretty well-timed bye week. I'd like to hear your opinion on that before we travel to Camp Randall, one of the most difficult places to play in the country. Uh, So, Andy, let's get your thoughts on it. Tell me what you think about this bye week. Is this coming at a good spot? How's the schedule setting up? Let's hear it all. Yeah, this is great. Michigan has two bye weeks this season because it's just a weird calendar year. So. I'm all for it, and uh, having one in between Army and Wisconsin, especially a road game in Wisconsin, feed it to me. I mean, this is much better than lining up with the schedule of death last year with that gauntlet the team had to run. Yeah, yeah. This I is... like I like getting tested. I'm sorry to cut you off. I like getting tested like right at the end of the first quarter of the season too. We're not waiting on down getting through all the cupcakes. Some of the lesser Big Ten teams. We're gonna get right into Wisconsin week four or week three. I love that. Yeah, honestly, I think it's better. You never want to have like six cupcakes in a row. Generally, that's not how our schedule looks. But I also like building in difficulty on opponents, which is exactly what we're doing here from Middle Tennessee to Army to Wisconsin. Bye week comes at a great spot. I also agree. I mean, it's going to be tough when we're watching to have two bye weeks. I don't know what I'm going to do in those off weeks. I mean, I assume pick up PCP in my free time or maybe golf, but (laughs) I don't know which one's cheaper. Um, But regardless... Um, I think it sets up very well. Now, the fact that we're going to Camp Randall with a relatively untested team that's only been at home against, it will be nice that we're going up against a team, an army that's going to try and run the ball, and that's what Wisconsin's going to want to do. But you can never feel super confident going into Camp Randall. Thank God it's a noon game. Yeah, if this were a night game, I'd be petrified. I would be just, I would be sleep deprived. I would be worried um, for two reasons, or sorry, two words. Jonathan Taylor. Nothing else on this team worries me except Jonathan Taylor. Last year, Michigan contained him, and he still ran for 101 yards. And like, and it felt like they got away from him in the second half and stopped calling his number, which I was pleased about. You know, It was great. Yeah, and part of that is because we were able to get out ahead a little bit there in the second half, which I think is going to be key in this one. I mean, it's key in any game, but especially on a team that's going to be a little bit challenged through the air. Uh, Alex Hornibrook is gone, uh, his ineptitude with it. So I think whoever they bring in there surely is going to be slightly better. I mean, even if he's hucking, you know, freaking toasters down the field, I think it'll be better than what Hornybrook was tossing. So that being said, I mean, I don't know what their passing offense is going to look like, uh, but getting out in front is going to be huge because, yeah, they want to ride Jonathan Taylor all day long. That's all they're going to do. And their quarterback's looking like junior Jack Cohn. Okay. He uh, helped him win the pinstripe bowl. He threw five touchdowns, three picks last year. Um, Hornibrook's going to be the quarterback at Florida State, so <laughs> there's that. DeAndre but, uh, Francois for Alex Hornibrook. Interesting choice. Yeah, so that's going on. Um, but last year, lest we forget, Hornibrook was 7 for 20 for 100 yards, a touchdown, two picks, and the record low I've ever seen for a college QBR of .9. Man, like, that was lovely. God damn, that is fantastic. So I don't know if Cone can live up to that hype, but um, he'll definitely have protection up front with their All-American center, Tyler, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Biads. 
Bad-ass? I don't know, but he's outstanding and blocks everything that moves. <laughs> it's probably pronounced badass based on like the way Wisconsin churns out linemen. Essentially, all they do is they just go into rural farm towns, find out who's been eating the most corn and drinking the most milk, and bring them into Wisconsin and turn them into NFL prospects. Pretty sure that's how their farm works. So you know they're going to have a good offensive line. I don't understand how they do it. Um, but yeah, they'll be well protected. Jonathan Taylor's going to rush for 1,500 yards easy that next season. Um, but yeah, if we can keep him around 100 and Jack Cohn, who sounds like an auto-generated name in Madden, um, if he's even serviceable, this is going to be a dogfight. Um, so there's some unknowns in this one, but there's a lot of unknowns on our side as well. So kind of a difficult game to predict. We'll know more when we see Wisconsin's two first games and what auto-generated name looks like. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor's played two collegiate seasons, and his worst season rushing total was last year with 1,977 yards. <laughs> I said 1,500 to be conservative, but he's probably going to rush for like 3,000 or something. In the <laughs> yeah, we're just going to go with the conservative 3,500 here. Um, so, yeah, that's all they're going to do. They're going to pound Taylor. They're going to want to pull ahead. They don't want to play from behind. So expect Michigan to play eight, nine guys in the box, straight up man-to-man. Um, there's no Jazz PV on this team from what I can tell, so they're not really going to try to stretch Michigan out side to side. Um, defensively, they had some turnover at linebackers, lost Connolly, lost TJ Edwards, who were both outstanding. Some questions at the corners, so I really think this is going to be a big game for Patterson to try to exploit those matchups. Yeah, and having the linebackers out is also going to help in the in the passing game as well. I mean, so there's going to be some holes. The guy we were talking about, Eubanks, down the middle. I mean, there's not really anyone that can cover him for speed and size. Um, and if they have untested corners out there trying to keep up with Peoples-Jones, Streak Black, and Nico Collins all day, I mean, there's going to be opportunities in the passing game for sure, which will open up the running game. Um, and I think we will be able to run the ball on this team. Now, there could be some early nerves being at Camp Randall, and we're going to be rushing most likely Wilson and Turner in this game. We'll see where Charbonnet's at. Um, so we'll see how those guys hold up to it. Turner, I, I mean, uh, True Wilson, excuse me, I think is probably pretty sound. I mean, he's been on the team for a while. I think that he'll be able to come in there and contribute. Probably not going to pop off a lot of big runs, so we'll see. I mean, Christian Turner, man. If I'm Christian Turner, I'm sitting at home looking at literally every game on the schedule like, man, I need to rush for about 75 yards in every one of these games to, to make sure our team's where they need to be. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely right. It's definitely going to be a contribution kind of game. Uh, last season, I believe Michigan rushed for 320 yards. It's where Shea broke off the big 80-yard run from the read option. Oh, yes. Um, I'm really glad this game's at noon. I can't say I can't stress that enough. Like a <laughs> noon game at Camp Randall does not worry me like that much at all. Like said, if it was a night game, I'd be scared. But this noon game, Michigan's talent. I think both teams lose some pieces, but I think Wisconsin's losses are greater, even though they retain their best player. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of the same principle of like being at a, uh, at a at like a Starbucks or a grocery store at night. Weird shit happens in places like that at night. Same with Camp Randall, Kinnick, like, I mean, you go to a strip club at night, it's during the day that it's weird, but yep. yeah, but here, you don't want any part of that at night, and during the day is going to help them a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it'd be interesting to see if Shea Patterson, maybe because of the early, I'm anticipating maybe not struggles with the running game, but I could see the running backs definitely getting off to a slow start here, so Shea Patterson with the read option could be, you know, another big part of this offense, so that's something to watch for, and uh I mean, finding creative ways to get Peoples-Jones the ball, I think that'll be key. Um, maybe even Ambry Thomas on some end-arounds, something like that. Some quick slants, quick strikes. 
um, that that'll be really uh, that'll be crucial to their success. But if you can get a lead early against this team, you got to feel good about your chances. Yeah, and I I definitely foresee that being the game plan. Just spread them out, attack them, get on the board. I mean, probably take the ball first in this one. Get on the board early within the first five minutes and just go to work. This is. I really hope it comes to fruition what we're seeing in our minds what this offense is going to be. Be the quick strike, big power offense that can bowl you over and spread you out. Because I swear to God, if we line up in just some super conservative start handing the ball off, I'm going to scream. Yeah, we wait till this game to be like, no, let's try and do exactly what they're doing. Let's try and match that energy. No, don't try and match their energy. Whilst we've proven that we can do that against Wisconsin, it's also come back to bite us in the ass. And you don't want this being 14-14 in the fourth quarter. You want to no. you want to have your you want 31 points on the board. You want to get out there and be explosive and make them try and match your 31 points because I don't think their offense is necessarily built for that. And our defense, while full of holes, is full of talent, too. And I, I do trust them to keep the score, you know, reasonable. Excellent point, sir. Predictions, players of the game. I hadn't really come up with a prediction. I wanted to talk through it first. But now, after talking through it, I'm feeling a little bit more confident. Um, I like my number 31. So I think Michigan, if they score 31, they'll win this game. So I'm going to go 31-21, Michigan. Uh, close throughout most of it. Uh, I think that throughout most of this, your players of the game are going to be Shea Patterson uh, and I think Nick Eubanks. I mean, I, I've, I'm kind of high on that since we got talking about that. I think he could have a big game uh, with the corners just focused on Tariq Black and Donovan Peoples-Jones trying to bracket them. I think Nick Eubanks could have a big game on offense. Um, on defense, a guy that I'm slowly, uh, well, not even slowly, I'm just high on, uh, give me Carlo Kemp. Uh, really containing Jonathan Taylor. He'll still get over 100 yards, but if he's under 150, we're in good shape. So I think Carlo Kemp's going to have something, five tackles, maybe a couple for loss, and really set the pace there in the middle. I like it, and I just want to show you this before I read this. I wrote this down at the beginning of the podcast, that my prediction for the score was 31-21. There it is. I've seen it with my own eyes. You'll just have to trust me. <laughs> I mean, the first thing I thought about this game is I don't think they can score the thirty points. You, I think all I think two of these touchdowns are Taylor. Maybe one's like a short yardage passing touchdown. Um, I think it's a game where Michigan's up like twenty four seven, honestly, and then they add one. Michigan's at thirty one fourteen. They add one more with like two minutes remaining. Game's over, and that, that cuts it to ten. Um, I see this as. The Zach Charbonnet breakout Whoa, game. Whoa, I love it. Digging deep into the playbook. Going right into it, I think at this point he's going to have the grasp of how things are working, have the bye week beforehand to prepare, might see some more carries. He may not get the most carries, but I think he's going to do the most with his carries. And I think he could put one on the board uh, defensively. I'm going with the 50-year-old man wearing a bra we just saw on Michigan's Instagram, Witty Pay. He looks in outstanding shape, even with his support. And um, I think it's going to be a two-sack kind of forced fumble game for Pay. I don't know how their new tackles are going to hold, but like you said, it's Wisconsin. They can find a tackle anywhere. Quiddy Pay looks like Sam Jackson and Black Snake Moan if he was a far more intimidating man and worked at a steel mill and had like five kids. Quiddy Pay is a like grown man. It looks like Shaft five years ago before they told him they're going to make another movie. <laughs> <laughs> then you just started getting into like obscene shape. He's like, All right, I'm going to start doing push ups again. 
Yeah. I would not want any part of Quiddy Pay. He looks like a grown ass man. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And I mean, obviously we're kind of along the same lines of thinking as far as the score. I think 30 points would do it against Wisconsin. I can't tell you the last time they scored 30 against us. Um, it's been some time. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I like where your head's at as well. The Zach Charbonnet game. I mean, it's a bold one, but also like he's a guy that is going to have every opportunity and yeah, by week three, I was thinking more by about week five, six, seven, something like that is when we'd see him start to emerge. But I'm not going to sit here and fight you on it. I've been trying to go with a different offensive and defensive player, at least through maybe the first three, four weeks of the season. You know, True. try to get some balance in there because I don't just want to say Shea Patterson over and over again. I'm the exact same, which is why I said Shea Patterson and Nick Eubanks, because, I mean, it'd be easy to say Shea Patterson. I mean, especially since I'm making the claim that Shea Patterson's coming up on, you know, what did, what did Rudock throw for that year? Was it just around 3,000 yards? Just, just over. Just over. So, yeah, I mean, I'll say 3,300 3, yards for, for Patterson, something like that. So, I mean, if I'm if I'm predicting that, then I, that means every game he's going to be putting up numbers. But, yeah, that gets a little boring to just do that every week. So I like where your head's at. Yeah, thinking of that, and – um, what makes me feel comfortable about Shea and Camp Randall is Brandon Peters was pretty comfortable at Camp Randall a couple seasons ago, and Michigan was in that game right up until he got hurt. So I really don't think after going to Notre Dame at night, after playing at Michigan State, after playing at Ohio State, I don't think this is going to phase Shea or most of this team at all. No, and this will be the first time Patterson sees any real heat. I mean, Army might be able to get after him a little bit. But I don't think he'll be running for his life, and, and even in this game with our offensive line. So Patterson's going to have some time, and I really trust Patterson. I mean, as far as efficiency, there's no reason to distrust Shea Patterson. So I think he'll make the right reads. Um, I could see him some running for 60 yards and a score in this, too. Not bad for the second-best quarterback on this team. <laughs> so we say. So we say. Well, I've seen uh, there was... The one report, I think it was like CBS Sports, they broke down all the quarterbacks by tier, and they had Shea Patterson in the third tier, but they had Adrian Martinez from Nebraska, who we beat by 50 in tier two. So, I mean, the disrespect for Shea Patterson is out there. Yeah, I mean, I I like to, you know, you know, take my little subtle shots at Shea when I can, but it's all in good fun. Like, he's a good quarterback, and don't ever tell me Adrian Martinez is better than him. We watched him play. It was terrible. It was just, in a word, trash it was trash i mean he might not be trash he's surrounded by a lot of trash but the product on the field indisputably was a burning heap of rubbish yeah like it was like all this like nebraska love is very annoying like i know they came back and won a couple games at the end of last year but let's lest we forget all the ass beatings they took and that live crucifixion that took place in Ann Arbor. <laughs> they were like 0-6 at one point, and in, at one point I sent a snap during that Nebraska game where we had like outgained them in yards like 350-0. to zero. They were at like negative 20 yards for the first half. I mean, it wasn't yeah. just a beatdown. It's like they didn't even show up to play. You could have stuck like 12, 11 toothbrushes in the ground, and it probably would have been the same effect as their defense. Michigan won that game 56-10, to 10, I believe. It was 39 nothing at half. So, no, it wasn't a game. Yes, and I brought up that list of the quarterback tiers according to CBS Sports. Tier 1 makes sense. Tua, Trevor Lawrence, Jake Fromm. Okay, I'm with you, I'm with you. Tier 2, they, uh, they've they got De'Ara King, the Houston uh, quarterback, as the number one Tier 2 guy. And then uh, some guys I haven't he heard of, but Adrian Martinez is the third-ranked quarterback in their Tier 2. 
He had 2,617 yards, 17 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. That doesn't sound like elite to me. And then you go down to Tier 3. Shea Patterson is the number one rated quarterback in Tier 3. But he's down there with guys like Brock Purdy and Nate Stanley, who has the lateral mobility of an oxen with a maimed leg. So if you just run all those in one ranked system, since the tiers are ranked, they have Adrian Martinez as the sixth best quarterback in college football. That's basically what they're saying. I mean, well... Let me let me let me see here. I don't think so because Tier One has a few more guys in it. Tier One has Tua, Jake, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Jake Fromm, Sam Ellinger, Justin Herbert. Tier Two, so he's the eighth ranked quarterback in college football according to CBS Sports. Adrian Martinez. What was his QBR against us? Do you have that number still? It's not even a full that. number. It, like it's not even a prime number. <laughs> I know he passed for twenty two yards and he averaged one point like. Eight yards per completion. I mean, it was egregious. So uh, he didn't even like. He wasn't even their best quarterback. Their best quarterback was a uh, bunch because we kept making fun of him because his, his jersey said a bunch. I'm like, he's throwing a bunch of interceptions. <laughs> Just bad puns like that all game long. Yeah, yeah, we sure were. Uh, Martinez, I got his numbers. He threw. Oh, he was seven of fifteen for twenty two yards. And one pick. His QBR was 3.1. Yeah, well, I'm going to send that ranking to Shea Patterson every single game week this year because I would take offense to that. Shea Patterson is a far better quarterback than Adrian Martinez. Seems to me they're just going off potential because Nebraska rattled off, and I'm doing air quotes here, four wins. Like we're, And that was the only four wins they got because they started out like 0-6. Yeah, this is a perfect time to pull out the Andy uh... – <laughs> the Andy Dwyer scrotation marks <laughs> in this game. Adrian Martinez had seven carries for negative 12 yards. Okay. I rest my case. Your case is rested. And yeah, I mean, there will come a time where we need to be scared of Rutgers um, and probably Adrian Martinez. But uh, as of right now, Shea Patterson and Dylan McCaffrey, shit, I'll take Joe Milton over him. And uh, do we do have Nebraska in 2019 though? Do we not? I think so. We should. Yeah, we should have 2019. I got the schedule right here. Uh, Are you more scared of Nebraska or Army? Uh, we do not see Nebraska this year. We see Iowa instead. Uh, this year, I'd probably be a little bit more scared of Nebraska. Nebraska's going to get somebody this year. We don't have to see them. Um, and Army lost a lot. And last year may have been a lightning in a bottle kind of a season. But since we only see Army, yeah, I'm, I'm obviously more scared of Army. But uh, I like the comparison there. I see where you're going. Nebraska's just going to get better talent like in that program. Nebraska, they're already recruiting a little better. Uh, Scott Frost is going to have that team cooking here soon. I'm more scared of Army. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you for now. But uh, future, uh, after this year, Nebraska. Okay, okay. I can see it for that. I just... I like, I like beating Scott Frost's ass, though, just because of, you know, all the Nebraska 97 share national title with them, all that. Yeah, I just – always a little bitter. I mean, his name's Scott, and he looks exactly like Scott Farkas from A Christmas Story. So, I mean, that alone has me – I don't trust him, but based on nothing else. Yeah, I mean, your logic is foolproof. Yeah, it's, it's without flaw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's kind of a transition here because I discussed a movie. We're going to get into our entertainment segment here. Our line of thinking this week, Wisconsin, known for beer drinking, cheese, and uh, not much else. 
but a party state. No doubt about it. Wisconsin likes to party. So we are talking party movies tonight. Our favorites, some of the best ever, what makes them great. Uh, Andy, any thoughts or you want to get us going? I'll get us going. That lead off here. Um, great list. And we'll have a, a good discussion here about what makes a party movie. I'm sure we'll have some objections one way or the other so we can really hash out the lines. Um, I'm going to get number one. It's about a party. It is a party. It's a one-day movie. It is super bad. It's about best friends. But this is a party movie through and through. The stops are about buying alcohol, going to a crappy house party. No. Fantastic. One of the best comedies of this century. I figured you'd touch on it. It's a, it's a must-touch on. Absolutely is a party movie. The whole thing is about acquiring liquor for a party. Uh, holds up. Stands the test of time. I mean, all the McLovin stuff. I quote the shit out of it. Um, I mean, I gotta get a look at these warlocks is one of my most quoted lines there. Um, early Jonah Hill, Michael Sarah, early Seth Rogen, Bill Hader, um, that kid who played McLovin still alive. Good for him. Um, but yeah, just a great movie. Good choice. Favorite scene. Favorite scene in Superbad is probably, honestly, I enjoy Seth Rogen and Bill Hader. I think when they're at the bar with McLovin. And uh, I, I just remember that it ends like, hey, can I get 13, 14 road beers? Another another quote that I throw out quite a bit. <laughs> 13 beers to go. Um, <laughs> oh, man. For me, it's probably the opening scene, uh, sequence more than a scene. It was when they're in high school, like the day through it, like him running track and the kid with one leg runs past him and calls him a pussy. <laughs> just everything, the wood chop. Last week of school, man. Fuck it. Just drilling holes in a piece of wood. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Also, the, the dick drawing intro and, uh, and exit. I mean, brilliant. Really the cinematic genius of our time. Top three, probably the hardest time ever laughing in theater was the dick drawing montage there. Yeah, and I mean, nobody's even saying anything. It's just obscene dicks that were just overtly veiny. <laughs> <laughs> Your pick, sir. All right, coming to me. I figured you'd hit on super bad. Uh, I'm going to go with one a little more off kilter. Not everyone's seen it. It's The Night Before. Uh, definitely a party movie because the entire premise is about Seth Rogen, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Anthony Mackie getting to this heralded uh, Christmas party, so also a holiday movie. Um, a little bit under the radar. Not everyone's seen it. it had Mindy Kaling in it. Um, absolutely slaps. Such a random trio of dudes with Seth Rogen, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Anthony Mackie. All of them have comedic chops, though. Especially my dude Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I mean, you know what you're getting with Seth Rogen. And his scene tripping on mushrooms in the church is honestly brilliant. Um, but a movie that everyone should see either around the holidays or not around the holidays because it's fucking hilarious. Uh, I regret to inform you I've seen it one time and I did not like it. What? But I know I didn't. That being said, though, I, I try not to judge a comedy after the first time I've watched it. I always like to go back to them and revisit because a lot of times that happens. I didn't like Central Intelligence the first time I watched it. I rewatched it and I was like, okay, I was wrong. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to leave that open. I trust your judgment. I will. I am with you, though, on the Seth Rogen tripping mushrooms in the church, though. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! <laughs> we didn't do that! We didn't kill Jesus! Yeah, no, it, it's very good stuff. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, you also get the scene where they go to F.A.O. Schwartz and, uh, you know, where Tom Hanks filmed Big and on the piano, Anthony Mackie and them do a Kanye West song. It's just, I don't know, 
I, I, didn't, I don't know how you didn't like that one. That one's got everything that you're looking for, honestly. The Santa fight, where they're fighting the Santas. Hey, man, it feels like this, this is something else. Why are you fighting these Santas? It is about this and only this. <laughs> 2016 was a weird year for me. I understand. It was a bad year for me, too. Obviously, you made some bad decisions on movies, but you're still all right in my book. Your pick. <laughs> uh, next pick. Um, this pick is unassailable. Um, if you don't like this pick, that tells me everything I need to know about you. Um, it is dazed and confused. Um, I mean, what needs to be said about this classic? I mean, the soundtrack, the acting, the story is timeless. I have yet to see the like unofficial sequel, Everybody Wants Some, but I heard it's incredible. It's good. It's not uh, It's not incredible. It's not on the level of dazed and confused because you're never going to get Ben Affleck, Matthew McConaughey. I mean, the cast was excellent. Uh, I think it's Rory Cochran plays uh, the stoner dude. Uh, whose name I forget now. But honestly, from the age of 16 to 19, I don't even think I watched any other movies other than Dazed and Confused. I could pretty much quote it by heart. Um, phenomenal movie. And uh, was able to watch it with my dad, and he verified that was essentially a perfect snapshot of the 70s, which made me really envious I wasn't born in, like, 1964. <laughs> it's like every couple decades, there's a movie that really defines that time. You have the American Graffitis, you have this... And kind of wait on the next one to really tell us what the 90s are like. So, fingers crossed. Well, apparently Jonah Hill has that sh uh, that movie Mid-90s Kid or something like that. That's supposed to be pretty good. I'll have to check that at some point. But uh, could you ever make another Dazed and Confused? I don't know about that. And uh, that's a classic and definitely a party movie. Party at the Moon Tower. Y'all ought to ditch those losers that you're with and meet us there. All right, all right, all <laughs> every, right. <laughs> every line McConaughey has is golden. Absolutely golden. We should have known then that we had a star on our hands. I know, it's like we could have forgiven him for failure to launch, like ahead of, prematurely, just because of this movie. Like, okay, we know you're going to make some mistakes, but we forgive you. <laughs> we forgive you. We've all seen Dazed and Confused. I also uh, really applaud Matthew McConaughey for his role in Reign of Fire, where he's perhaps the most over the top human ever created on screen. Matthew McConaughey's IMDb is an entire podcast in and of itself. Like, there's just a lot of good, and there's just a lot of shit. And there's some shit in there, and just like, wait a minute, in between Dallas Buyers Club, he did Reign of Fire and Failure to Launch? <laughs> How to Lose a Guy in 10, what is this IMDb, Matthew? Yeah, and then before that is Amistad? Like, there's, who's his agent? <laughs> we'll give him his Tropic Thunder roll. It's just brilliant. Yeah, no, it's absolutely perfect. Um, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little off the wall here. I mean, there's the obvious ones. I mean, I want to mention one that may or may not get mentioned. I don't know if it's on your list, but Van Wilder's one that I think uh, should mention was very big in the '90s. Introduced us to Ryan Reynolds. Definitely a party movie. A ton of fun, but doesn't make my top list because I think this movie, which came out in 1994, and I'm a '90s. I'm a, I'm a fan of the '90s. Uh, PCU, which stands for Politically Correct University. Uh, it's an apt title and a movie that is even more profound today to rewatch it. Um, they were on to the whole politically correct culture long ago. Jeremy Piven, David Spade, uh, I'm pretty sure John Favreau's in it, plays a ridiculous stoner. Um, pure 90s, and I love it. It's the most 90s fucking movie you'll ever see. If you haven't seen PCU, very quotable. George Clinton and the P-Funk All-Stars play the party at the end. It's dope. Hmm. I gotta check this out. I've never even heard of it. Yeah, I own that one. Uh, yeah, and it's one that not a lot of people have heard of, which is why I wanted to throw it out there. So if you're looking for a good comedy, you will laugh at PCU. I promise. Man, informative? Per persuasive? You were the man. Um, but on True. Van Wilder, 
Tara Reid in her prime can't be overlooked. Uh, as far as an actress or just looks? Oh, looks. What what acting talent exists there? Just there to is clarify. No, there is – it's not on the elemental chart. It's not fucking real. There is no <laughs> talent. No, Tara, Tara Reid's throwing gas in this, though. Uh, okay, I, I need to add PC to the list, though. I'm going to have to check that one out. Um, okay. Got another one for you. Just passed its 10-year anniversary. I rewatched it in celebration this past weekend, and that is The Hangover 1. Don't, not going to acknowledge 2 nor 3. Certainly not but, 3. Said so no. Um, but no, The Hangover 1 is still just brilliant. Bradley Cooper is a flat-out star in this. He's fantastic, but everyone knows it's the Zach Galifianakis role. Like Every role he's in, everybody still quotes him every time you go to Vegas. And it's still kind of garners a chuckle from me. I'm not going to lie. No, every single time. I saw you posting uh, random hangover quotes on Twitter the other night for no reason. No, out of context. Just, just, just to be out there. Yeah, just to, just to let people know you still know The Hangover exists. It is one of the best party movies. And I would call that like a lightning in a bottle movie, which podcast idea for another time. Because uh, they tried to recreate it. And the, the chemistry of those three leads, every now and again, you just cast people that work perfectly together. And you can't really recreate that. You're dumb and dumbers and, and things like that, like boondock saints and like everything just works and it shouldn't. There's no reason that movie should be such a classic. But Zach Galifianakis's role, I would say, is probably a top 10 like comedy character in a movie, at least like most quotable, like the most laughs per minute, you know, throughout that show. Great choice. Favorite line from that movie. Man, almost impossible because, like, every time I hear another one, I'm like, oh, that's better. Like, I definitely say, hey, there are Skittles in there. I say that quite a bit, but, like, there's so many. You want to fuck on me? Like, <laughs> it's impossible. My favorite is still, it's not illegal. It's frowned upon, like masturbating on an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure that's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that whole, everything Alan delivers is gold. Like, I know they gave all rings at the Holocaust. <laughs> Yeah, dude, it is it is completely quotable, and uh, we'll stand the test of time. That will be up there with the airplanes, the anchormans, the Dumb and Dumbers, where 10, 20 years from now we're still watching that. Like, man, I, I don't know what to watch. Let's just throw this on. This gets me a laugh every time. It will get you a laugh every time. Yeah, it's like it's like in that top tier of rewatchable comedies up there with like you know the anchormans and stuff like that, where it's on. It's like, man. I'm going to watch the last 45 minutes of this. i got nothing else to do. Yes, I love it. So here's one. I've got one for you that could be uh, on the fringe, but I think that it is. Hot Tub Time Machine. They go to the hot tub to party. The rest I'm of okay. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm okay. Hot Tub Time Machine is severely overlooked uh, because it's a ludicrous premise full of ludicrous actors, um, but absolutely quotable. John Cusack is throwing smoke. Craig Robertson's funniest role um, who's the bald guy that's in, uh, oh my God, the guy that he's the funniest dude in the entire role, the bald guy in that, uh, his name is Lou in that, like, I, I don't even remember what his actual name is as an actor. It doesn't really matter, but that once again, it's about Rob Cordry, like, Rob Cordry, Rob Cordry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I used to be on the daily show. Um, I mean, just, he's absolutely spewing fire. Like, I don't, don't you have some Ritalin? We can crush it up, stick it up our ass. Don't lie to me. I know you have Ritalin. You probably have Ritalin. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention Lizzie Kaplan, Chevy Chase, Crispin Glover, first team all handsome Sebastian Stan. Yep. I mean, 
everything. Yeah, absolutely. Crispin Glover, extremely hilarious, and the guy who uh, lost his arm, and you're waiting to see how he loses his arm in that movie. Uh, I watched that almost as much as The Hangover. I would put it right there with The Hangover. A lot of people won't agree with me on that. Hot Tub Time Machine, to me, is just, it's pure gold. Also, a great movie, like, about reconnecting with your bros from high school. I'm not big on broing out uh, with, with our old high school boys. You know, I don't necessarily go to Buffalo Wild Wings that much, and I certainly have never crushed a natty ice over my forehead, but, you know, every now and again, it's good to revisit those feelings. Yeah, it's never, it's never bad to revisit them, as long as you don't get stuck there. Yeah, sure, I don't I don't even really own any tank tops. <laughs> All right, so I have my last one, but I also have an honorable mention with it, because it's not really about partying, but in a sense, the movie's all about a quest to party, per se. It is sex drive. Mm, yeah. Honorable mention, on the way down there, they stop at a little Rumspringer action with uh, Seth Green in one of his funniest, most sarcastic roles. Um, just a, a very overlooked movie. Pete, really good James Marsden in there. It's just a super homophobic, like abusive older brother. It's really just mean to him. Oh, just a great movie to check out. But no, my favorite party movie is probably one of my three three favorite comedies, maybe top two. And that is old school. Um, Will Ferrell, Luke Wilson, uh, Vince Vaughn, peak, peak Vince Vaughn. I mean, this movie's fantastic. It was on this past weekend, and uh, my wife had, had only seen bits and pieces and was watching it and was just like laughing hysterically. Like, I'm like, yeah, this is what gold looks like. Uh, great villain, Jeremy Piven. I mean, so many, I mean, just memorable scenes. Every scene feels memorable in a different way. Just fantastic. And our second Todd Phillips entry on this list. What's the other Todd Phillips one? Hangover. Oh, wow. Damn. I mean, that dude knows his shit. Um, yeah, I love it. You absolutely had to touch on this one. If you didn't, I was going to. I mean, but there's a lot that I wanted to touch on. Um, but this one is in the upper echelon. This is your top tier party movies and it is absolutely a party movie the whole thing from start to finish peak will ferrell peak vince vaughn which at their prime were two of the funniest guys doing it um extremely quotable honestly i'm due for a rewatch on this one because it kind of you know in 2005 2006 lots of rewatches but then i fell cold on this one wedding crashers came out you know i started rewatching that a little more then you get the hangover then you get hot tub time machine that's a comedy i need to revisit and absolutely has to be discussed on this list luke wilson's entire best man speech about uh two people hop out of your bathroom blindfolded like a goddamn magic show ready to double team your girlfriend just lives in comedic lore i mean that is just perfect it really does. I feel like Luke Wilson's role could have been replaced with about anyone. You could have put Gary Sinise in there, Danny DeVito, and it wouldn't have really matter. The rest of the movie would still be fine. Yeah, this is um, either one or two for me for Vince Vaughn roles. Like, I know everybody loves swingers, but for me, my, my favorite Vince Vaughn, I think the funniest Vince Vaughn is this or Wedding Crashers. It's this or Crashers. For me, I'll take Crashers as far as Vince Vaughn. Uh, his lines in that, just his accelerated delivery, the way he's like, extra fast with it and like puts a lot of words into it i want to stand on my head while i'm drowning what are you what are, what are you gonna do <laughs> <laughs> well i like in this one when he's just standing up there with frank like just 30 feet away you're single right now <laughs> run you can go and then guy walks up her dad walks up to drop her off the altar and he's like it takes her a true man to give away an angel <laughs> like, piece of shit yeah no that that is that is peak vince Vaughn. it's this in wedding crashers that's his peak and since then 
Yeah, I don't think he's really been funny in anything. But yeah, this watch Fred Claus every year. Yeah, this was the height of that. Um, all right, so I've got a couple honorable mentions that I feel like we need to touch on, or else you know we'd be remiss. Uh, Revenge of the Nerds and Animal House are the two obvious ones we didn't really talk about. A little bit before our time, Animal House still holds up. Um, but honestly, I don't know that it holds up as well as like old school does for me. Like if I had the choice to put on old school or Animal House, it's going to be old school. Yeah, Animal House just is going to forever live on the dorm of somebody's college room and that they've never seen. But it's just going to be a picture of John Belushi and that's it. And that's I think it. it I think it it probably does better because a lot of the movie there there's some issues in that movie if you rewatch it again it's like oh man I don't know how I laughed at this now but um, John Belushi still I mean all time comedic act absolutely uh, so definitely want to touch on that want to touch on this is the end um, kind of a party movie the movie starts out at a party everyone playing themselves with Franco Rogan um, and uh, Jay Bruchel, yeah, yeah, Danny McBride, Craig Robertson, that's a good one. Fast Times at Ridgemont High, one of the first comedy R-rated comedies I saw. First pair of boobs, Phoebe Cates, can't forget that. Uh, and then uh, American Pie, also, really, uh, really was was a cultural phenomenon at the time, but uh, not one that I'm ever going to rewatch. I'm not a huge American Pie guy. Really, I, I actually am. So, like, I like all, I like the four main ones, you know, up through wedding and um, reunion. Um, but American Pie Two is my favorite. So, if I had to pick one of those to be the party movie, it's got to be two. Interesting. But my final movie is none of the above. It's another one that not a lot of people have heard of, and they should. Uh, it's from 1984, which I know you're probably thinking this shit's gonna be lame. But it stars Tom Hanks, and it's called Bachelor Party. And Tom Hanks, early Tom Hanks, his comedic chops should never be overlooked. Kids should get a day off of school for Tom Hanks' comedic chops. He has them just loaded up whenever he wants them. And, I mean, he doesn't do a lot of comedies anymore, but this is when he was running off big, and uh, he did this, and Joe versus the Volcano, some of those kind of just out-there roles. And this one is a full-on comedy. And Tom Hanks, like, first of all, you know it's Tom Hanks, so that really adds to it when he's just delivering, like, full-on comedic routine. But he nails it. The dude has comedic timing, kind of like Ryan Gosling does now, where people are like, oh, he's a serious actor. He did First Man. I'm like, Ryan Gosling's funny, man. Go back and watch some of his comedies. Like, he can do both. And, and uh, yeah, and this is one that everyone should see. It's just about a bachelor party. Tom Hanks is, is just there, being young, attractive, and funny, doing his thing. You had me at Tom Hanks. I know. I figured I did, but I wanted to back it up regardless. <laughs> I've seen bits of this movie, um, but none I can really, like, recollect like like fluently but it's i mean it's early tom hanks and i like all early tom hanks goofy comedies like you mentioned joe versus the volcano biggs i mean timeless um but yeah i think he's often forgotten like people are just like oh it's that turner and hooch phase like uh no there's a lot more to that early phase and that's why when he came out with philadelphia everybody was like oh shit yeah like oh this dude can actually act and yeah bachelor party i would put above joe versus the volcano and maybe even above splash like it's it's more it's more in line with uh and certainly better than the man with the red shoe i tried to watch that it was atrocious but i i, I don't acknowledge that yeah let's not i mean look the guy was young he was trying to get his footing he didn't know what roles to choose but this one right here it holds the test of time and if you ever just want to go back and see tom hanks really flexing the comedic chops this is the one all right, I find this interesting. You know, we're uh, of a younger generation here, youngish. Um, no mention in the movie Project X. What are your thoughts on that film? I think that we're of the old school part. If that is, a, there is a clear distinction in these new party movies and the cutoff 
there is pretty much right there at that Project X. They have a different feel to them. Um, and starting with Bachelor Party, which is the earliest one that we mentioned, all of them have a common theme of being very lighthearted, very like uh, they're bright. Like a lot of them occur during the day and at night. They mix it up. Um, Project X is just a one night party and it's just celebrating hedonism. And I'm the biggest hedonist there is, believe me. I played Never Have I Ever, and that woman will never call me again after hearing the shit that I've done. I am a, I am Satan's spawn. But the <laughs> fact of the matter is, I want to I want a light comedy. I want to enjoy the partying and something I can relate to. I couldn't really relate to Project X. That's my thought on that. Well, I'm going to give you light and dark that I can't relate to that actually is my favorite party movie of all time, and that is The Wolf of Wall Street. Ooh, I didn't think of that one. See, that's good. I mean, it's interesting to think about party movies, and I wanted to ask you this. Like, what necessarily, we probably should have started with this, but what are the credentials of a party movie? I think it can be justified in, like, a myriad of different ways. There's a $5 word for you. But like I said in Sex Drive, he's going to party. He's just going to lose his virginity, you know? It's okay. I think you can justify this several different ways, like, Wolf of Wall Street's kind of like three movies squished together in one, but there's a hell of a lot of partying in that movie. There's at least an hour and a half worth, but that movie's about three weeks long. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I mean, so we'll say so long as it's focused on partying, there is partying that occurs within the movie. Uh, the plot is based around a party. These are all pretty clear criteria. But what about something where the movie kind of like feels like a party, like Wayne's World? That's a that's a perfect example to bring up. Yeah, like those were the kind of the, some of the, uh, the the borderline ones I was thinking about, and I wanted to get into it. But I mean, I don't know. I feel like a party movie is very clearly defined. I don't know that Wayne's World is a party, but Wayne's World Two, they're they're setting up a party. The whole pl like, so maybe Wayne's World Two is. How many comedic actors like Mike Myers have spawned three comedic franchises with Wayne's World, Shrek, and Austin Powers? Not many, although Chris Farley originally spawned the Shrek. Mike Myers was filling. Yeah, Mike Myers. I mean, my, I mean, obviously, Mike Myers crushed that role. Shrek's a really different movie with Chris Farley. It's a vastly different movie. And <laughs> speaking of which, we've got that podcast coming. Movies that would be vastly different if you recast them. Looking forward to that one. But, uh... <laughs> and eventually, probably a Mike Myers appreciation pod, because I think... You know, enough time's passed since the Love Guru. We can, we can revisit. There's no reason to hold all this animosity for Mike Myers. He did one bad movie. Tom Cruise has done cat, no bad cat. movies. Yeah, he's done a couple bad movies. <laughs> but still, he's also, like you said, spawned three franchises. And uh, Austin Powers, at the height of Austin Powers, I mean, there was no comedy really touching that for a couple of years there. Binge watched all three last week. First one holds up. Dude, I, there's a lot. Second I, one holds I, up. I like I, third one has the biggest laughs for me though. Like I like they have the wrong female cat like lead because there's just no chemistry and it's just kind of awkward every time she's on screen. Um, but the biggest laughs come in that one with Doctor Evil interact because it's a lot more Doctor Evil. Him interacting with Goldmember, everything with Scott, the, just acting like a child. Peak Seth Green in that one. I think it's got the biggest laughs, but I think. Two might just be as entire movie my favorite. I think two's the best, yeah. Uh, two really holds up, and at the time, that was the hardest I've ever laughed in a movie theater. I must have been like 16, 17 when that came out. So, I mean, that's the age to really appreciate a bunch of dick and butt jokes uh, from Mike Myers. But, I mean, they're well, if there is such a thing, well executed dick jokes. I'm a, that's my band name. I'm you, don't take that. No, it's yours. <laughs> 
The uh, oh, talking about sixteen, seventeen-year-old seeing a movie. I think the hardest I laughed in a movie was same age, and that's when I saw Step Brothers. Nice, yeah, yeah. I could see that, and I think it's more of an age thing. Like we have a bit of an age gap between us, so there's definitely going to be some differences of when we saw things and what was funnier at the time. Sophomoric humor obviously hits a little harder at fifteen. Um, now I go back and watch Family Guy, and I think it's the dumbest shit ever because it's designed for fifteen-year-olds. Yeah, you see something like, oh, man, I was an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I was an idiot. But, yeah, I'm watching Austin Powers 2. When they're, when she's pulling the stuff out of his ass, or at least that's what it looks like in the tent, that is hilarious to me. Just pulling tents out of his ass, like, that's hilarious. I'm sorry. A tent out I'm of the all, ass is always funny to me. I'm all for that fat bastard. Kind of a complicated character, but I'm all, I'm, I was there for complicated it. Complicated character. That's another pot in itself. Let's break down one of cinema's most complex and well-rounded characters, Fat Bastard. <laughs> Inside the Actors Studio with James Lipton, tonight's guest, Fat Bastard. <laughs> We're taking your calls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Any that we missed? Any uh, anything you want to touch on? Uh, no, I did like your point though about the um, the age gap and like the cutoff of different kind of partying because the Project X is twenty ones and over. I mean. That's all for maybe the next generation. That's not really how we do it. But um, if that's your thing, I mean, if you can defend it in some reasonable way, is I mean, as long as it's I like it, I'm cool with that. Yeah, I mean, and that's fine. But if we're going to sit here and objectively judge movies and you're going to say Project X is as good a movie as The Hangover, Old School. Yeah, or let's, like, let's, uh, yeah let's pump the brakes. Yeah, because then I'm going to come at you. I'm going to be like, no, here's <laughs> the reason why it's a much shittier movie and no one's going to remember it in 10 years. Like. Look, young boy, young buck, go back and watch PCU, Animal House, old school, then come at me. I mean, I've made some absurd lists in my lifetime. I mean, one time I ranked Throw Some D's over the Star Spangled Banner in Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata, but, I mean, I can defend that. Just listen to the lyrics. <laughs> at one point, I thought The Mummy starring Brendan Fraser really trumped Citizen Kane, and Citizen Kane should just be taken off of, of watch lists for, like, college courses, but... I, I still ride for this take. Yeah, yeah, no, actually, that's a take that I'm not really going to go back on. <laughs> yeah, we're not backing down from this, one, especially The Mummy Returns, The Rock with some bad CGI as a giant scorpion. That's a good bad movie. Another pod we got coming this summer. It sounds like the plot of Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Plot? I don't think there is one, my friend. <laughs> no, nah, pump that into the special effects. Let's go. Yeah. Just shoot some adrenaline into our uh, into our action choreographer, and let's fucking film whatever comes out. Let's go. We're going to call consultant Michael Bay. Um, guys, what do you think about space? <laughs> <laughs> Just look, I see like the rock is in the gym lifting in the scene. Have you thought about making the weights explode? <laughs> hey, thought about that. Let the, we're going to put dynamite... In the asteroid. Have you thought okay. about it? Because <laughs> I have. I'm Michael Bay. <laughs> oh, man, that's going to do it. But uh, we got some big things coming up. It is off-season, but uh, we don't really believe in that. We still got a lot to talk about because we got a lot on our mind and we're full of shit. Uh, next week's a big one for us. Uh, we'll be moving on in the opponent preview, but also... Uh, one of my dearest friends and the man in charge of all of the music for us, Wes Anderson, will be our first guest podcaster of the year. And we're talking 90s movies. And if you if you want my opinion, and I'm sure you do, uh, on the best era of movies as far as just rewatchable and good even though they should be bad, the 90s delivers absolute pure cinema at the height of just blockbuster entertainment. Um, so that'll be a good pod. Looking forward to that one. Yes, and if you think this is Wes Anderson, um, acclaimed director of Grand Budapest, Hotel, Bottle Rocket, Rushmore, 
You're correct. So tune in. Yeah, the same Wes Anderson, but uh, also an extremely talented musician and does the music for our shows, and I've known him since uh, we were 11 years old. So don't do the math, it's him. Yeah, it's, it's him. It all adds up. He's just, you know, a true thespian, a renaissance man, if you will. Um, so looking forward to having Wes in here. I'm ready for the spiciest of spicy takes. Look, if these takes don't actually set my skin on fire and give me third-degree burns, I'm going to be upset. Yeah, no, I want some, and we need a hot, who's Michigan's fourth week opponent? I should know this off the top of my head. We should know it off the top of our head at this point, but at the same time, we got other shit going on. You're buying a house, I'm in house, I'm in grad, I'm in grad, I'm in grad school. Week, it's a perfect time to talk now. Oh, fucking Rutgers week, bye week. <laughs> bye week too, let's go. Bye week, we get three bye weeks this year. Thank <laughs> you, NCAA. Attaboy Ward Manual. Attaboy Ward, you're really making up for last year's shit scheduling. Uh, yeah. so that'll work out well but uh, that's gonna do it for us tonight make sure you like share subscribe download us reach out to us on twitter at oblue87 at andy underscore bailey one uh if you want us on facebook fuck it i'm open to it jared stormer's my name i ain't scared of you come out reach out to me instagram whatever you want we want to hear from you we are the podcast by the fans for the fans and uh start next week we're bringing them on, so I want fans on here with the hottest possible takes. I want you telling me that Ben Van Summering could win a strongman contest, take your girlfriend, and for, rush for 3,000 yards in one season. I just want somebody to defend the bras this team is wearing. That's all I want. Hot take. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's going to do it for Out of the Blue. I'm Jared. That's Andy reminding you that wherever you go, go blue. <laughs>